0: Hey everybody welcome to spn rights i am your host shane paul neal first and foremost i want to thank everybody for the feedback on the show thus far this has actually been quite an experiment for me for those of you who don't know what's going on all the words whether stories or essays or whatever may come down the line you know maybe i throw a poem in at some point who knows um it's all written by me but read by other people and i put people in quotation marks because the first two episodes We're actually read by Amazon Polly or Henry from Amazon Polly, which is a computer program. And I just went that way just because it was cool. And it was an easy way to kind of uh, get the show off the ground without having to harass folks. And while I was trying to figure out exactly what it is I wanted to do. But yeah, thank you so much for that. If you are listening to us for the first time, also go back and listen to the first two episodes. And please feel free to uh, send me feedback, good, bad, or otherwise. Uh, ideas you may have for the show is it too long, is it too short any, any other thoughts that you may have uh, I can be reached at Shane at com. I can be reached on Twitter at Shane Paul Neal the show's Twitter handle is at SPN Rights, and it's also SPN Rights on Facebook so any of those means in which you want to reach out to me by all means do so If you want to support the show, you can do so by either donating on the website, spnrights.com. There's also a link for my Public site, which has um, some t-shirts and some other things available for sale. Uh, There's a limited number of items on there at the moment. I'm going to expand on it as we go forward. Uh, But either one of those ways to support is wholly appreciated. Uh, If by some chance you don't feel like going to the website, there's always paypal.me. For slash SPN if you want to support me that way i'm super excited to have this episode narrated by the one and only elise bacon if you don't know elise they are a video game expert expert in all things godzilla an incredible artist the title of today's story is nina and me uh, it explores the complicated relationship i have with the music of nina simone as well as the complicated relationship i have with my parents this story does detail uh, some domestic and child abuse, so if those are triggers for you, please just skip this episode. Uh, hopefully there'll be plenty more to come, but this one just may not be for you. With no further ado, Nina and me. Enjoy. Oh, and before I forget, there's actually some bonus content after the story, so stay through to the end after musical credits and all the good stuff. Again, enjoy.
1: Now, if you want something to play with, go and find yourself a talk. boy, my time is too expensive and I'm your
2: Time I hated Nina Simone. For me, her voice was a portent of sadness. If upon coming home from school I heard her music as I walked up the stairs to our house, I knew what kind of day it had been. My mother would either be locked in her bedroom or defiantly sitting in the living room smoking a cigarette amid the aftermath. My mother almost religiously wore a wig, except in those moments. Looking back, I believe that it was part of her bearing her soul. It was a statement to my father. Look at this thing you hurt. See the soul that you bruised? Broken glass, flower pots, whatever else was unfortunate enough to have been in the way of another argument strewn about her feet.
1: My baby just cares for me. My baby just cares for me. My baby just cares for me.
2: My father was quiet and steady with a blue collar mentality and affable demeanor. Work only mattered in so much that home was taken care of, and his weekends were free. His highs and lows were never very far from each other, at least that's how it was most of the time. My father, in hindsight, buried everything. He ate all the stress in his life and often tried to drink and smoke it away. Jimmy was cool as a fan until something popped. Then he ran as hot as an oilless engine. Athletic and wiry, I had seen him drop men larger than him with one punch. I also saw him nearly break my mother's nose with a short jab. I can still hear the sound, a sharp click, much like cracking your knuckle. I remember the belt rack. It sat beside my mother's side of the bed, rickety and made of wood, I'm not sure what its original purpose was, but as long as it existed in my life, it held an assortment of 20 or so belts. There were nylon ones, leather ones, metal ones, thick and thin. There was also an old tan weightlifter's belt. I often had to go pick a belt in the same manner that other children had to pick a switch. That rack was a symbol of my abuse. Through the beatings from my mother were not limited to belts. Or reason for that matter. I remember encounters with wooden hangers and yardsticks, along with open hands and closed fists. Most vivid was getting beat out of my sleep because I forgot to go to the bodega to buy my mother a pack of cigarettes. I remember the confusion and pain, like drowning in a pool full of jellyfish. For years, if my wife woke me up from my sleep, I would snap upright with a closed fist. As a child, my father would do the same. I never asked.
1: Lord, oh Lord, please don't let me be
2: missed. It would be easy to paint my parents as terrible people, faceless villains exchanging pain for power. I could easily paint my childhood as some otherworldly nightmare. It is a narrative exists for many who have experienced some sort of abuse. One or which there is no nuance, nothing to delve into because their abuser is simply evil. Evil to the point that exploration into its roots is an exercise in futility. In much of the same way, I could speak of my experiences uh, euphemistically, substituting words like abuse for discipline, and speak on how the abuse made me a better man. I can wear my abuse like a badge and play who got whooped worse with my friends, regaling in stories of brutality because, if endured for long enough, the worst of our experiences can be regarded as normal. The truth is, my parents love me, and they love each other. They were just really bad at it. They have battled demons their entire lives, namely with alcoholism and other abuses. There are plenty of instances where they weren't kind to each other or to me. Trickle-down violence is a real thing. The abuse my mother received from my father was passed along to me. Because what else can you do when you feel powerless over your dominion but take control of someone else's? And while I was at the bottom of it, I was still loved and encouraged to be the best me possible, even despite them. I didn't know it then, but as a child, I was being handed a legacy filled with switches and belts and in the extremes, hot irons and other incredibly damaging means of discipline. It's a legacy I don't relish, and it is one I I plan on passing along. I am not better for having been abused. I am who I am despite what I endured. Issues with anger, self-confidence, and lack of follow-through— have been huge hurdles in my life. They are ones I battle in one form or another to this day. Child abuse is learned. In some cases, it's cultural. What it has never been is right. It doesn't make stronger men and women. It creates generations of broken individuals who, to varying degrees, learn how to function with dysfunction. I, like other abused children, and the man I am today because of the abuse I have seen and endured... Instead of praising what we are because of abuse, maybe we should be asking how much more we might have been without it. As I have grown older, I have learned to love Nina. She was brilliantly broken like shattered stained glass gently pieced back together. She is what I see when I look back on my life. I see her in the people I love and the experiences I have had. She is my reminder that anything of value comes at a trade-off. Art costs, happiness costs, love costs, peace costs. There is beauty and damage. It's why, after all I have seen and endured, I love my parents and appreciate my awkward, self-depreciating, damaged self. Thanks, Nina.
1: Here comes the sun, little darling. Here comes the sun, I say. It's alright. Here comes a sun, little darling. Here comes a sun, I say. It's alright. It's
0: alright. Hey, everybody, it's me again. Um That was Nina and me. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, Special thanks again to Elise for uh, being this episode's narrator. And as I promised, I have some bonus uh, content for you. I recently did my first Storytelling Slam at the Montclair Film Festival. Uh, Rather, not the festival, but the organization that runs the festival. Um, Big shout out to them. Um, Great venue, great people, had a terrific time. Can't wait to go back again and do it. Uh, But in any event, this is the story I told at my first Story Slam. For the dozens and dozens of you that actually pay attention to what's going on uh, in my life, this will probably explain why I disappeared for a little bit or been a little bit M.I.A. Um, So yeah, my first Story Slam. Enjoy. So if you've ever seen The Pursuit of Happiness, there's a final scene at the end where Will Smith finally gets the job. And I say Will Smith because every movie he's in is really just Will Smith playing out different scenarios. Um, either it's Will Smith fighting aliens, or Will Smith trying to figure out how to talk to NFL in a terrible African accent. <laughs> but either way, uh, he finally gets a job after overcoming all these obstacles. And he's in the street, and it's just a mass of people. And he's crying with a slow clap. That was me in May, um, except I was in my best friend's uh, bedroom on my knees, sobbing. I had finally gotten a job. and. At the time, I thought this was the final step to overcoming a whole lot of terrible bullshit, to be perfectly honest. Um, Year and a half of being either unemployed or completely unemployed. uh, My wife of 13 years saying that she wanted to move on. And to top it all off, I was blind for about 10 weeks. Uh, Cataract surgery in one eye, two corner replacements in the other, and I can almost see y'all now. Um, But I got the job. And everything was great. Um, I had stopped mourning my over time. I stopped mourning my marriage, and my hair started growing back from the depression because I thought I was going bald, but full head of hair again. I'm on my glow up. Everything's great. Um, I have the two young girlfriend, and I'm living in Brooklyn, and everything's cool. And then the two young girlfriend goes away, but I'm cool with it because I'm cool. 40th birthday rolls around. And I'm at my favorite bar, friends have family, we're jet laughing, we're dancing, we're drinking. We're having a great time. And I'm like, if this was the movie, this is where the scene would the end credits roll, and everything would be awesome. Except that's not how life works. Two days later, I was told I was being let go of my job. Um, working with a micromanager is interesting. Uh, if you are a manager, be a micromanager that translates your goals clearly. Otherwise, I end up looking like the bad fit. But I don't panic. I've been through worse. I was blind. I've been through worse. Um, Got my little severance package. They said, we're not going to fight your unemployment. Cool. I got some weeks to figure this out. At this point, I'm living in Newark, actually, and uh, living with some friends. And the place that we're living is actually a wreck. But it's close friends, and my son's visiting me, and we're making do, and everything's cool. I spent Christmas with my son and his mother and have a great day. On the 26th, the landlord comes in and says he's evicting us because we were disputing him over the over, uh, condition of the house. So now I'm homeless, with no job. Um, three days, I slept on a PATH train, and if you've ever had to sleep on public transportation, and if we've all done it at some point, you have to wake up every few minutes. Every five minutes, you're up again, and you're up again, so you're not really resting, and the seats are hard, and it's painful. And I'm new homeless, so I got a nice leather jacket, good shoes, expensive backpack. I can kind of fake like I'm just drunk on the train a little bit to the third, for third, fourth trip coming up and down. And finally uh, get out of there and I would go hang out at the library or I'm walking or trying to find some place to go because being homeless is exhausting because all you do is walk. And if I'm paying money, I'm paying money to have a seat, a cup of coffee, a bowl of grits anything I can do just to like pass the time and get through. But I'm plugging away and everything's cool. Or not cool, but I'm plugging away. Um, push forward and this is actually the first time I've actually admitted that I'm homeless to you wonderful people tonight. And it's, it's hard, but you have a lot of time to think and figure out what's happening next. So I pushed through and I finally landed a shelter around the corner on North Fullerton things are starting to look up again. And I got a job driving the elderly over on Street, things looking up again. I'm getting there slowly but surely. And then I get the call saying, hey, shelters, we only do eight weeks. I gotta find something this week. And I look back and I'm thinking through everything and it's like, through all of this, I'm not breaking down a second time. I haven't lost my hair again. And I'm pushing, and I'm pushing, and I'm going, and I'm going, and I'm tired. And in that moment, I realized, new beginnings can't be new beginnings till the old actually ends. Thank you. So before any of you freak out and start dumping piles of money into my PayPal account, which to be honest will still be very welcome um i am out of that situation i am no longer homeless i am employed uh and moving on up in the world and kind of resetting things again uh and like i said hopefully this is the last of the do-overs and the new starts but yeah um i just wanted to share that with everybody and uh see you next episode